0: You're listening to Investigation Insiders by Integris Intelligence.
1: Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Investigation Insiders. This is Farhad. I hope you're all doing well and staying safe and enjoying the good weather that's coming our way. Um, Joining me today are two of my favorite people. First, my right-hand woman, Joe Morrow, who is backed by popular demand. How are you, Joe?
0: I don't know about that, but I'll take it. I'm good. Thank you. I'm happy to be back.
1: Um, And second is Michael Ginch, uh, the newest member of our investigative team. How are you, Mike?
2: I'm doing well today. Thank you for having me on today's episode.
1: Absolutely. Uh, So, everyone knows Joe and I. uh, So, just a quick background on Mike. He and I actually worked together at a different firm almost a decade ago, which is hard to believe. Um, He left there um, while I was still there and followed his uh, dream of becoming a law enforcement uh, agent uh, by joining the NYPD And during his time there, interestingly, he patrolled the area where I lived, uh, but where I do live and um, we always stayed in touch. And late last year, we started having conversations about reconnecting. Um, Obviously we came to an agreement and Mike joined the firm uh, in January of this year uh, as one of our managers uh, handling investigations. we are, I know Joe would concur here. We are very, very glad to have him on board. Hopefully, Mike, the feeling is mutual.
2: It sure is. <laughs>
1: Many people know us uh, for providing background screening and due diligence services. And obviously, this is a major component of uh, what we do do for people. We actually provide quite a bit more uh, support to our clients. That, I mean, includes everything from TSCM surveys, so bug sweeps, uh, to uh, supply chain investigations and consulting and security consulting, just to name a few things. And in fact, um, the inspiration for today's show comes from a multinational Fortune 100 company that reached out to us about a month or two ago saying that there's been a spike in what's called swatting incidents in the sector that they're in. And they had some concern and requested our assistance in sort of uh, coming up with a plan and providing some information to their executives. And so We thought as we, um, you know, and and we've heard from other people as well. And so we thought we'd put out a episode that might give people some food for thought and get them thinking uh, and help themselves from becoming a a victim. So, Joe, um, can you talk a little bit about what swatting is and where it originated from?
0: So, um. What does swatting mean? The definition, it's the action of somebody making a prank phone call or electronic call to 911 or other emergency services to try to have them dispatch a large amount of armed police officers or a SWAT team, if you will, right to a particular address. The term swatting was coined by the FBI as a result of the number of swatting incidents. Um, so what started at 2008 from online gamers who were trying to get back at each other over, I think it was a fifty or $2 bet over a game. One didn't like the reaction from the other. So he called in this SWAT and had police go to the, to this person's residence saying that somebody was being taken hostage or there was some kind of incident, which as you can tell creates a large, uh, reaction for the neighborhood, for this person. What it does is really scare the hell out of somebody. This little joke has turned into such a harmful activity for, for people creating such fear and harm in the neighborhood, even deaths, I think, on certain instances. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah. yep. There's been a, a number of swatting incidents just recently in the news, and uh, many schools, corporations, executives have been victims. Um, and you couple this with the fact that there continues to be active shooter incidents um all over the country rightfully so people are on edge so mike uh, maybe from speaking from uh, a former law enforcement perspective can you talk about how dangerous swatting is
2: yeah of course so swatting you know it's definitely probably one of the most dangerous situations for both law enforcement and the individuals you know at the location of the swatting event you know when police arrive at the location no one you know has any idea why they're there so this makes it extremely dangerous and for example like at a residential home let's say it's late at night early morning you get woken up to a banging on your door your first reaction what is that and usually you're going to say what the hell is happening is someone trying to break in you know the panic kicks in and then your adrenaline starts going in, these, in the situations where a homeowner, they go right to the door, they open it, you know, police conducts their investigation, then there's no issues. But unfortunately, you know, there could be many times where it becomes deadly. You know, I actually read an article, it dates back almost a few years ago. There was a guy that was killed, I think it was in Kansas, uh, as a result of a swatting incident. You know, the police went there, they're responding to supposedly a guy that killed his whole family. Obviously, we found out later that that wasn't the case. But when the guy opened up the door, he came out, there was some type, of, I believe, furtive movements, and he was ultimately shot and killed. You know, what people don't realize is the 911 operators, they get these calls and it's, it's to the severe. It's those, I killed a family member, uh, I have other family members tied up, I'm armed, and then they immediately hang up and there's no call back. So you gotta realize from a police officer view, you know, it's extremely high stress, you know, you don't know what you're responding to, and i'm sure like from a police standpoint that you responded to many fake calls um you're always told treat every call as if it's the same uh not the same i'm sorry um you got to go in there not knowing what you're going to be expecting you you know if you get complacent ah you know it might be fake you don't know what's going to happen ultimately so that's you know pretty much about like when you go to like a residential home um you know swatting events you know just to go off a second They could be, you know, at a business, could be at a sporting event, any type, you know, uh, maybe a concert. But the two that we see is, like I just said, you know, residential homes and then which is a very, you know, crazy topic right now at schools. Um, This is just as dangerous because now you have a larger area. um, You know, you have students, teachers, they they don't know what's going on. So when they see a large presence, they're obviously not expecting that. As from the police perspective, you have to go through that entire school. Uh, You got to make sure whatever that caller stated, you know, obviously did not happen, or if it happened, that you have to, you know, figure it out. Um, And one of the biggest issues is the students and the staff, especially for SWATting incidents, they're going to be surprised to see you. So when you come into that room and they're extremely stern, they're telling you commands, you know, lock the doors, um, don't speak to anyone, shut the windows, that just causes panic and i think the biggest issue is when you hit like the i mean maybe even in some elementary schools but more the middle school and high school level everyone now has a cell phone so now you have these students teachers texting their friends their family and they're telling them hey like we're on lockdown they said that there's you know there's a shooter or whatever it is and now it becomes a huge ordeal when in reality it's just a prank so you know i'm sure people will say oh you know why don't they just enter speak to like let's say the front desk and if they say oh no like there's nothing going on like we're, we're sure of it then you can just leave you know from the police perspective you can't just do that anymore and i'm sure maybe in the past that's what was done but with the increase in school shootings you know you can't take any chances and what, what's crazy is i remember back um i think it was september of last year i think in um there was over 90 swatting incidents uh across the united states And it was all carried out by one person. I think the FBI from the article that I read, I actually just read it a few days ago. Um, The guy was supposedly from like Northern Africa. I don't think they ever found him. They just were able to pinpoint it. But, you know, it's crazy to think, you know, that people actually do this for fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's crazy. Mm I mean, I can tell you just from being a parent, um, you know, like my kids sometimes will receive emails saying, you know, we received, you know, whatever it is, a threat, we're looking into it, you know, the school's on lockdown and we'll, we'll advise you. I mean, immediately just, and, and this is what I do for a living. I, I find it to be very, very um, <laughs> difficult to deal with. And and even knowing um, that something could be going on is is very difficult to deal with. So, One of the challenges that uh, law enforcement is um, facing regarding swatting is the fact that bad actors are typically very, very savvy. Uh, Like you're you're talking about the guy from Africa uh, and are able to mask their identities, um, which makes it impossible uh, to find and punish these folks. Right. So, Joe, what's what's being done about that?
0: Uh, in the U.S., I believe it was 20, 2015, Congress passed the Inter- Interstate Swatting Hooks Act. So what this bill amends the federal, with the Federal Criminal Code is to make this crime, this use of telecommunication systems, mail or any other facility of interstate or foreign commerce to knowingly report false or misleading information with the intent to cause an emergency law enforcement response. This act makes the crime punished as a felony. Uh, Convictions for this act can lead to prison time, fines, other penalties, depending on a number of different factors. So I believe that that's a good deterrent for some people who think it's a joke. If they know about it, this might might prevent them from taking action.
1: Sure. I mean, it's definitely all positive, uh, but since the challenge is finding the people who are doing this, the penalties sometimes are almost a moot point. Um, So it's really, really important that you take the right steps to not become a victim, right? The biggest thing to do is protect your privacy. So, Joe, can you provide some tips on how people can protect their privacy?
0: I sure can. We actually prepared something about this for our company, The first thing would be to use a VPN, virtual private network that limits the Wi-Fi, public Wi-Fi people can get access to your information. You can avoid providing your email address. There are many people who, instead of providing their normal email address, will create a email and that's just used for shopping or other activities that doesn't tie back to you. Um, same thing would apply with your phone number, cell number, try to limit who you're giving this out to use of a password manager, which I think is very important because that protects your passwords instead of putting them in a notes tab or something that people can get access to it. There's a lot of, uh, security levels to protect your passwords. Um, along with that is a multi-factor authentication program or app i i use an app on my phone and that helps me protect it or getting the secondary text message that's pretty helpful always secure your privacy settings on your phone accounts whatever you use i i double check everything to see who can access what there's a lot of happening there's a lot happening behind the scenes that you don't realize with that don't install um unnecessary or unknown apps on your phone you don't know where it's going to go And after doing all of that for yourself, you have to also talk to your friends and family and let them know that what they share, if they're putting out information about you or tagging you, they're jeopardizing your privacy as well. So definitely share that information with those around you.
1: Yeah, I I think those are all really, really good points, Joe. And in fact, I mean, I think the FBI actually just put something out about like even using public chargers, right? Like if you go to a Starbucks or wherever, where you plug in something to charge your phone, they're saying like, um, you know, bad actors have infiltrated that to kind of extract personal information. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. all of these are really, really good points. And, you know, it's interesting and like, feel free to um, talk about this. Like there are people that are actively working to steal your data, right? Like, would you guys agree, Joe, um, that that's a factual statement?
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, I come from a trusting mentality, but once you start hearing about it, thinking about it, and you think it's private information, but it's out there.
1: Right, right. And and so, like, Mike, just going off of, like, police work, right? So, when you think about, like, a physical threat against you, right? Someone is trying to physically attack you. It's inherent in our thought process to physically protect yourself, whether that's to run, whether that's to fight, whether that's to hide, whatever it might be, it's inherent, right, that you think of those things. But because this is like a like a silent, almost like uh, undetected, not obvious, it's not in front of your face that it's attacking you, people can sometimes become complacent what are, what are your thoughts on that mike
2: yeah no it's it's 100 percent true um people don't realize you know everyone has their everyday jobs and there's people out there that their jobs is to try and steal your information you know to sell it and then use it in you know obviously in the wrong manner
1: yep yep absolutely so so one of the things as even with ourselves, once you listen to a conversation like this, right, um, it's probably too late already because there's there's information out there about all of us, right? And so, assume that that's the case. There there's some, you know, a little, a lot, somewhere in between information out there about us, right? assuming that's the case what are some of the things mike that you could do to sort of reclaim your privacy um you know once it's already been compromised
2: so you know honestly the best thing that i could recommend is you know first off just do a simple google search of your name uh see what pops up keep it simple just do your first and last name you're probably going to be surprised what information is actually out there and because if you've never done this you'd have no idea um it's crazy to think you know, that your address is out there, your phone number, even your email address. Um, you'll see, it might even show your employers. Um, so the best thing to do is find out these websites that have this information that are that are um, making it public, and you have to contact each and every one and let them know, hey, you know, you you might have to prove that it's you, uh, and let them know that you would like your information taken off. Um, there are companies out there, you can reach out to them. I don't know how much they charge you. I'm sure it's a you know a pretty penny, and they'll do the work for you. But I always tell people, do it yourself. Reason for that, this way you can keep track of who you've already contacted. And what I would do next is every week, maybe every few days, do the name search again, and see if these companies are actually following through with your uh, request. Um, unfortunately, this isn't gonna happen overnight. Uh, and in reality, it might even take months to limit when information is accessible online, but key word there is limit, because I don't think everything is ever going to be removed from the internet.
1: Yep, 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 definitely. Um, so, you know, w- one of the things that um, I, I want to go back to is related to this, right? Like, so from a law enforcement perspective, right? Um, you talked about, like, uh, the dangers of the police officers um, showing up, you know, the people that are there being, you know, um, alerted and, and now nervous about, you know, why are the police showing up, the police already on edge because of the report that's being made, right? Can you talk about like the other issue of, you know, resources, meaning police resources being tied up? And um, on you know uh, basically um, responding to something that's fake. and then um, it turns out that you know it, it is fake, and now you have all these resources, the dangers that creates,
2: yeah, of course. <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure everyone sees it now. Across the United States, unfortunately, there's a manpower issue with the police departments. Um, obviously, some departments are are feeling it more than others and just leaving the NYPD recently, there was a huge manpower issue. The biggest problem with that is, let's say someone calls in a swatting incident, and you have, let's say, only 10 cops working that night. For a call like that, you know that all 10 cops are going to that location. So while you're there, and let's say it's at a school, if you're at that school, you got to realize there's, let's say, 50 to 100 classrooms. You're going room to room. And now let's say someone is really calling for help, Needs the police assistance. Now you know they're limited. You have these ten cops that are you know figuring out something that is ultimately just a prank, and you have someone who really needs the police is going to be you know left there in the dust.
1: Yep, yep. And and and, you know I'm I'm following up on your reclaiming your privacy, uh, like what you talked about there with this particular section because. Again, it's one of those things where, like, I think we all play um, a role in, in protecting ourselves, right? I mean, because, again, the police and other law enforcement agencies, I mean, there is a limit to how much, how quickly, all those kind of things they can respond, right? So, by by doing things yourself, A, you're protecting yourself, but you're also helping to protect others by um not becoming a victim and uh, drawing in resources that might be actually needed elsewhere so um good i guess for, what's that it's
0: a very good point
1: um yeah i mean uh, the it is it i mean it's and it's common sense right i mean it's it's mm-hmm. a it's one of those things that if you're not thinking about it or you're not explicitly discussing it i mean how many people are really thinking about this right
0: yeah yeah
1: Yeah. it doesn't
0: come up every day unless you're affected by it it's not something that you think you're you're concerning yourself with but when it does come up and you realize how much it affects the community and everybody involved it's big
1: Yep. Yep. And I, I think Mike's point about like, again, you know, the resources being thin. Uh, I mean, that's really concerning. Right. And it's not because yeah. um, it, it could that could be for a wide variety of reasons. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's fact. Right. It's not it's not it's yeah. not a judgment. It's not a something that we're, we're stating as kind of opinion. It's a it's a factual thing. Mike, would you add anything to that part of the discussion?
2: Nah, no, I think we really covered everything.
1: Okay. So um for those that are, are listening to this episode, um I think I can't we we can't stress how important protecting your personal data is, right? Uh, unfortunately, um this is one of those things um, where if you find out that there's a problem, it's harder to fix than if you were pro if you were proactive about protecting your data, right? So Uh, This is true both personally and professionally. Right. So whether it is for your company executives, for you or your family, pay attention and do what you can to prevent from becoming a victim. Right. And, you know, something like Joe mentioned earlier about educating uh, your, your family and friends. Right. I mean, even even. If you're able to impact one person or or a couple of people by just talking about this, I mean, it will make us all safer. So, Joe, what what are your thoughts on that?
0: I think yeah, I think it's important to, to remember that because everybody's like, well, it's my choice and I'll do what I want. And they don't realize how much it does impact other people that they know and love. But they're they're putting their information out just by sharing a picture and a location or here I am in my house and then people can figure out where you are with some landmarks and stuff. So I think people need to remember it's not only about you and your choices, it, it, your choices do affect other people.
1: Yep, absolutely. Mike, a- any any last thoughts on the topic?
2: Yeah, you know, I'll piggyback off of what you just said. You know, you have to be proactive in this. You know, you don't want to be reactive because by then it's too late. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yep, yep. uh, So, you know, anyone, I, I guess, listening that has any questions or concerns, please uh, do follow up with us. There is a document that we put together that we'd be happy to send to you, which many, many of our clients and friends and family has found useful to kind of look at this, you know, both holistically and, you know, with, with some detail. Uh, Let us know and we'll we'll definitely get that out to you. But, you know, thank you again for joining us. Uh, Thank you, Joe, for uh, again, uh, joining me for another episode and Mike for participating in your first of hopefully many. Um, Mm -hmm. And until uh, next time, thank you all.
0: Don't forget to follow us. We are on LinkedIn and Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube.